when you live in the shadow of insanity, the appearance of another mind that thinks and talks as yours does is something near a blessed event. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast with me, your host, Austin Yoakum. And wanted to say producer Marcus Sassen behind the scenes, but producer Marcus Sassen, as you hear at the start of this podcast, got a brand new big boy job. He's leaving Yoakum Strength, so now we're here editing the podcast by ourselves and we're ripping it. So hopefully this podcast goes smooth. Uh, well wishes to Marcus. And I'm looking forward to all the cool things he's going to accomplish in the future. With us today on this podcast is Coach Bobby White. We've had Coach White previously on this podcast to talk about good drills and basketball skills. But this podcast, we talked more about the business and psychological side of things. Uh, I know we touched on it on the first podcast too, but uh, Bobby and I have been DMing back and forth about a lot of topics, specifically drug use, specifically mental health issues in the field, and marketing and how to build a business in the strength conditioning world rather than just talking about sets and reps and front squats or back squats. We try to talk about really the important things that we feel like are missing in the sports performance field. And we talked about all of them on this podcast. Coach Talks goes into his story of how he grew his Instagram following from 20,000, which is the last time we had on the podcast, to I think it's almost at 80,000 now. How he went about creating systems at his gym. And he takes a deep dive into the psychological route of how he works with athletes. And one of the really cool points he talks about is how, how to create the shooter's mindset for his athletes. How when you are a shooter, you shoot and that ball's going in in your head regardless. And when you're not a shooter, when you shoot, you're questioning whether that shot is going to go in or not. And the difference between those two athletes and how a back squat is never going to change any of that. So hopefully you guys got as much out of this podcast as I did. And with all that being said, I'm excited for season four to continue to dive into rabbit holes with you guys. Thank you guys for listening. Keep chopping wood. Before we hit the intro music, I wanted to introduce to you guys the Yoakum Strength Insider. The Yoakum Strength Insider is our online training platform that takes all of the ideas that we talk about on this podcast and implements them into a program that is available to you at the touch of your fingers. Our goal with the Yoakum Strength Insider is to create better movers, to level up your life, and to move forward from where you are. We do this in a holistic fashion. Not only will you receive a program that has helped hundreds of people become better movers, you'll also receive access to our app that allows you to track everything, has video links for all exercises, and allows you to be in constant communication with a Yoakum Strength coach. Along with this, you'll get our 30-page PDF nutrition and lifestyle guidelines that includes everything from what to eat, how much of it to eat, why we're eating it, meditation habits, and other lifestyle habits that we implement with our clients to really level up their lives. If you're interested in trying out one of these programs, use podcast 25 in the discount section right before you pay for 25% off your first program. Boom. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast. Take the leap down the rabbit hole with us as we interview elite level guests to unravel what high performance really is. All right. Well, coach, welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited to have you back. We've been uh, we've been BSing for 10 minutes here. I'm excited to catch back up. Yeah, I, you you said you're done with the podcast for a while. I was like, that can't be true. I got to catch up with him. Let's record something. Honestly, I didn't even care about getting on here and recording this. I just wanted to catch up with you. Uh, the stuff I see you're doing is wild. And 
I, I mean, I was just telling you, if I, if I wasn't doing all the basketball stuff and I had a gym where I was training athletes of all different sports, I mean, what you're doing is incredible. And I just wanted to talk, catch up and see how that's going and share uh, likewise what I'm doing. So thanks for having me, man. Yeah, I'm pumped for this. Our, our producer moved away. He got a big boy job. Marcus, he got a big boy job. So I'm pumped for him. He got a big boy job. So now we got to figure out how to produce this by ourselves. So this will be the first first one we do that with. So working for you is not a big boy job? I, I always thought it would be. <laughs> yeah, I know. Apparently, JST wasn't big enough. But he, they, what they, the they, heck? they flew him across country, got him, got him a pretty sweet pad. So JST wasn't doing that. But Just I'm pumped for him. with it. Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't hang there. But uh, we were talking, I got a lot of topics that I want to talk to you about. We've been DMing for a bit, basically since our last podcast about like topics we could talk about. And one of the ones that um, got brought up when we were talking just here was kind of like the business side of, uh, of the gym. And one thing you said earlier is like, if you want to jump higher, like you got to jump. And I was like, that made me think it's like, if you, if you want to run a successful gym, you should probably, you have to be able to stay in business for longer than like six months. You have to run a gym. You have to do it for a long time, but to do that, you need to make money. You need to play the social media game. You need to do all these pieces. And you do a really nice job of that. Obviously. Like, I think the last time I, I didn't get to talk to you about this before we started recording, but I think the last time you're around like may, maybe 20,000 followers or something like that. And now it's like 60,000, like 40,000 followers in that like the ridiculous growth and maybe I can't remember when the last time we recorded, maybe four months ago, three months ago, but a ridiculous number of rid ridiculous growth. Obviously you're onto something, you're doing something. I'd like to know your thoughts on social media, your thoughts on running a gym. Like what's been, what's then that process been kind of like for you? That's a lot of thoughts because it's two completely different things because social media, everything you see is a lie, <laughs> you know? Uh, and like, I, I want to be real with that, like that. So I probably had 30 some thousand last time I talked to you and, and I picked up over 30,000 in the last four or five months. And I've literally have, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm throwing crap against the wall. Some things work. Sometimes I spend 20, 30 minutes doing this post that I think is it going to absolutely crush and change lives. And it's like passionate. And it's like, oh, I un uncovered some secret, you know, working with gravity, you know, this type of whatever, you know, something I took from a Darien bar, and it's going to like absolutely change the world and nothing. And then I take four seconds and like, I don't know, do something ridiculous. It, that took me four seconds and it gets 110,000 likes and 2 million views. So I don't know anything. I, I, I know what I do know, though, to get back to the, the question of the business is I have a very successful gym business and not I don't mean I don't look at money in terms of success. I look at the, the quality of humans I have in my gym, the vibe. I don't really like the word vibe, but the, the atmosphere I have in my gym and, and how I've done that. And it was never about doing it quickly. It was about serving the person in front of me and truly caring about the person in front of me and doing whatever it takes to get that person better. And for my gym business, I didn't want to start a business. My first job was working for the trainers that trained me when I was in high school. And when I started working with them, I thought I was at the top because I looked at my trainers when I was in high school as superheroes. They were every, they were like the most influential people in my life were my trainers. And I was working side by side with them, you know, and that was the pinnacle, you know, that was it. That's all I ever aspired to be is one of those guys working with them. And I did it. And six months into that, my boss said, I don't want to run the gym anymore. <laughs> I'm going to close it down. I want to go be a trainer. I don't like having trainers on staff. And he's like, you got to start your own business. And we had a deal where I kind of took over the facility he was in. And I, I turned that back like Zumba spin studio into a little basketball court. And I had to file an LLC. I had to figure out insurance. I had to figure out billing. I had to figure out all these freaking things that I wanted nothing to do with. But I think I'm, it's like a blessing because I didn't have a choice. You know, it, it was thrown at me. And if I didn't do this, I was going to drown. 
So it was like, I had that kind of desperation where, you know, I don't want to go work for somebody else again. I like these guys. I can kind of stay here and I have to start my own business. And from there, I, I initially, I said yes to everything. Everything was yes. Yes. Do you want this? Uh, you know, do you want this older lady that can't move? Yes. Do you want this old guy that has Alzheimer's? Yes. Do you want, you know, this girl that doesn't want to work and she's overweight and sucks at everything and complains the entire time. Yes. Give me her. And I exposed myself to general pop. I exposed myself to everything I could. I traveled and I, I got to where I was working 80 hours a week and I couldn't believe it. And it was unbelievable. And I was miserable at the same time because I was working so much and I, I completely hated it. And then I had the opportunity in China. I'm just speeding through this. I got a, I had a YouTube video that did well. Um, and I got an opportunity to go be a head strength coach in China. And I was like, I got to take this just to get out of this, right? I don't want to work 80 hours anymore. This will like give me the break. And I didn't want to let down those 80 hours. Like that's all clients. Those are all people that I'm now like part of their family. And I was doing everything I could for them, but I wasn't sleeping. So I had this opportunity to go to China and I left for six months and I was a head strength coach for a professional team in China. And it completely separated that. And I vowed that I would never be that busy again. So now I'm coming back to the States and I was like, I'm never going to be that busy again. So I joined a mastermind group, right? I, I, I wanted to learn how to run a business. So I surrounded myself with successful business owners, right? The same way you're talking about, you want to get good at jumping, learn to jump. If you want to get good at running a gym, learn from people who run successful gyms, right? And that's what I did. And I reorganized everything. I got an account. I got a bookkeeper. I got helpers. I got you know, I figured out, I figured out all these things, right, to make my life easier. And I needed systems the same way we need systems to grow. We need systems, right, of progressive overload, however you want to call it, new stimulus like that. I needed systems in my business, right, to make everything run smoothly. And then I, I tried to create as many systems as I could from the first phone call to the first session to the process of onboarding and all these type of things I learned from successful gyms. Now I did that for, I spent thousands of dollars over the course of two years to be part of this mastermind group. Thousands of dollars I invested on learning the side of the business. And it turns out all these people were running like boot camps and they were training general pop. And it was kind of like cookie cutter gyms, you know, hit and like this type of stuff. And ultimately I was like, that's not me, but I learned so much from them. Right. But then I was like, you know what? I'm not running a cookie cutter gym, right? I got a little more edge. I got a little more, uh, you know, I don't know, something where I, I don't want to run boot camp classes. And I was able to focus in on my niche of basketball players. And it's like, I, I didn't try to grow it quickly. I think most people shoot themselves in the foot by growing too quickly. And one of the core things from this group that I was in was mess up in the dark, right? Mess up small, make all your mistakes in the dark. Don't expand. Don't buy the new stuff. Don't go to the bigger facility. Don't do all that. You know, go grind in the dungeon like you did. Right. Make all your mistakes in the small space with no overhead and keep that overhead as low as possible for as long as possible. And I still do that today. I mean, I'm in an old Catholic school gym. My weight room is on a stage and it's full and we have a wait list. The shiny objects, the chrome, the new equipment, the Vertimax that might get people in the door but the relationships are what keep them in the door. And I know that that's in my heart. That's in my soul. Sorry to get a little sappy, but that's what it is. What I do for them, how I make them feel is going to keep them in the gym, not some Chrome piece of freaking equipment or a fancy exercise. Right. And now I'm trying to take that same, that, that, that like DNA of who I am and really putting everything I can. Cause when you really care about someone and, and, and I don't mean really care about getting them more athletic. I don't mean really care about getting them a jump shot. I don't really mean caring about them, you know, progressing in their sport, caring about the human. 
you can figure all that other stuff out. You know, the vertical jump is easy. If, if you really care about the person, you can figure that out. And if you find something you don't know, there's somebody out there that knows it. And you can simply ask somebody or read a book on it. That stuff is not hard. What's hard is like not getting lost in 2022 where you have infinite distractions, where you're comparing yourself to other people, where you're feeling like you don't have value. That's the hard stuff. It's to keep that focus on really serving the person in front of you. And I'm trying to do that now with social media. And that's even a whole nother game that uh, I, I, yeah, I somehow grew 30,000 followers in a couple months, but I don't know what I'm doing. There's so I'm trying people. to, yeah. Yeah, there's so many pieces I want to kind of like branch off on there. Uh, I'm going to start with you. You said you you gotta you gotta keep focus, keep like stay out of the distractions. And on that note, I want to ask you how two parts, like how you keep your soul, how you keep yourself in the gym when you are you're expanding, like you're expanding at a massively rapid rate. How do you keep I spend ten hours a day on my phone? So this is very touchy, right? I'm ten hours a day on my phone, and when I step in the gym, it's all gone, and I'm there, and I'm focused. Yeah, this is a good question. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That, 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 this is the passion I want for it. Keep the yeah. soul in there. Like without, like we talked about, we talked a little bit of before we started recording about not selling out. Like when st- things start to build out and you you do have to build out these systems. And I noticed myself, I'm trying to automate things. I'm trying to like make sure like you mentioned in the DM, it, it was something like, I'm trying to get rid of everything. I'm it, That's not me. That's what you said. I'm trying to get rid of everything. That's not me. How do you, how do you like build that system? So you are able to help as many people as possible. You are able to get the reach. You are able to be free um, without, without losing who you are, without like selling out into something like that bootcamp. Cause you see that a lot uh, with a lot of big fitness guys and you really can't fault them because it, it, it's tough, man. It, it's tough. It's like you're reaching to a point. You're so valuable that everybody wants a piece of you. And it's like, you can't give everybody that piece of you. How do you keep your soul in the gym, you, who you are in the gym, the same value of who you are in the gym without being tied down completely, without losing your own freedom, without losing like everything there or without on the other end, without going too systemized where it's like, I, I've been at gyms before where it's like every single person gets strength one, every single person gets strength. Like, it, I mean, it's, it's a babysitting clinic, you know, it's, it's not even like it, you're not even having conversations with the kids. It's a babysitting clinic. So how do you not lose your own freedom? How do you not lose your own self? And how do you not go too systemized? Like, how do you find that middle ground for yourself? Yeah. Uh, the overhead thing is big, keeping that, keeping your expenses down. Right. And that's as, as much as you want to, you know, be different in all this. If, if you take on some expenses that, that are going to scare you, right? You're, you're going to, you're going to start chasing the money to meet those expenses. And I don't blame anybody who does. Everybody wants this big fancy gym. They want this, you know, nice place. And and I do too someday. I'm just not in a rush and I've been extremely busy. And now it's like, I'm not chasing money. I'm chasing freedom. So I'm, I'm not willing to work very hard for money because it means nothing to me. The money is, is freedom for me. And I focus on freedom. I turn down money every single day. Every day I turn down money. I don't even do private sessions anymore because I couldn't charge, you know, I, 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 it doesn't make sense to me. So it's really, I was strategic in, in, in what I did in terms of growth. And I, I started in a small suburban town and I went to the high school in the suburban town and I found the best player, right? And some people do it obviously where they go to the high school and they find the worst players and that's too. But I, I figured if I, if I could get the best players, the captains, the, the kids that would draw other people in, that would work. So I went out and I would go to, to initially build my business. I would go to LA fitnesses. I would go to outdoor p- parks and I would go strategically at times where I knew my demographic, my ideal client would be there. 
and I would go, we play pickup five on five, or I'd be working out or, you know, one of my first clients, I'd bring him and I would work these people out when I knew there were going to be other people I wanted to train there. And at that time I was competing like professionally. I, I was also trying to play overseas when I first started training. So I would, you know, I'd go in, throw a windmill dunk or a 360 dunk or from the foul line. Right. And that initially got the right people. in. And now I had kids that I didn't have to beg to come in. I was trying to find this culture of, I don't want parents dropping their kids off, fighting with their kids to, to get them in my gym. And I've been in so many gyms where you see the kids don't want to be there. And I was like, I never want to do that. That sounds like hell. So I want to find kids that are driven. I want to find kids like me. I want to find kids that want to work really hard. And you get that kind of thing. And just, it's slow. You know, it starts with one kid, you know, it starts with that one captain, that one good kid. And I did everything I could for him. Right. And then when you start, I, I think a lot of it has to do like, how do I not, how did I not sell out? I, I, I was very strategic. I was very smart not to take on the expenses. I, I was not focused on rapid growth. I was focused on long-term, you know, sustainable things. And yeah. Yeah. I, I love hearing you, you talk about these things. Cause it's like, I'm on the early stages <laughs> of everything that you're saying. And like, I'm starting to realize a lot of, cause we talk all the time. It's like, uh, at our gym, we talk about finding the weirdos, like finding the people that yes. we know are going to fit in. And it's like, one of the big things I do is like, well, we're bringing somebody new. Um, and then I'll ask like kind of a group of four or five core people like, how, how, like, what do you think of them? Like how do they fit? And if it's Same. an, uh, if it's a no, it's like, uh, they're not going to fit. Like if, if they know, and a lot of times, like I can see it a lot of times I can see it, but maybe I don't have a read or maybe it is more so like, uh, like, okay, that person, if I sign them up, they, they'll sign up if I ask them to sign up, like they, they'll pay me. So it's like, okay, you got that bias. Like they're going to pay me if I say yes. So like, let's ask people that don't, and they'll, they'll tell you, nope, they're not going to fit in. Okay. They're not going to fit into this culture. They're, they're just going to be more pains in the ass than that money is worth. Yeah. And I think the other thing, like the, the no privates, like just the power of no, like having that power. And like you said, early on, it, it's really hard early on it, man. It was really hard. I was doing the same stuff. It's like, I would pull my teeth out to like train some of these people. I was like, they do not want to be here. I don't want to train them. Like, what, what are we doing here? Why we have this disconnect, but you have to meet overhead. You but that's it. a valuable learning experience. Working with people that don't want to train is I learned so much from these horrible people, right. That don't want to be there uh, because then it was like, I, I would gamify things. All right. This person is miserable. I'm going to do whatever I can to make this person smile today. How And I, I would say, how many times can I make this person laugh today? And like, do things like that to gamify the experience where it's a challenge. It's not, Oh my God, Charles is showing up. It's, it's all right. Well, I'm going to mess with Charles today. I'm going to get this guy moving and I'm going to win. I'm going to win this. And I'm a competitor. Right. So when people and I'm also a people pleaser and that's at fault. I always want to like for a long time. I had this thing where like I needed people to like me. So like that also I, it's a learning experience with all these bad things and all these like I, I learned by failing. I learned by failing. And luckily, I'm going to keep going back to this overhead thing because I think that's what kills people. Right. I was I was it was OK to fail because I was still in the dark. It, it wouldn't mean that much you know i didn't have a ten thousand dollar freaking you know gym payment i've never had that so that made it a lot easier really to be me and now it's i don't i don't chase anybody and i used to i used to have to chase a lot of people you have to you have to grind you have to hit the pavement you got to do things that nobody else will do there's a reason why most gyms fail there's a reason why most gyms are successful because to make them successful you have to do what other people won't do you have to put yourself out there and it's the same with social media it's so hard. It's like, I don't care how confident I am. My wife loves me. I got a house. I, you know, I got all these beautiful things in my life, but it's scary putting yourself out there because you get bashed. If you do anything faithfully, there's going to be critics, right? Anything. I don't care what you do. 
If you're going to put yourself out there and do something faithfully, people are going to hate on you. If you're trying to do things different, you're definitely going to get hated on. If you're trying to do, you know, contrarian approach and, and point out, you know, things that are wrong in the industry, which I think me, you and guys like us are trying to do because it's become so like technical and this and that. And it, 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 that's not, it's not human. That's not sport. It, it's militaristic and, and it's not real. And when you start looking at like kind of my approach and your approach with, with just getting people moving, get it, jumping over things, 360s, this rolling, uh, that become. I love what you were talking about, like PRs and like weird things. Why does a PR need to be a bench PR? Why does a PR need to be a standing vertical jump PR? There's so many different ways to create progress, to, 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 to progress that as long as we're doing something, as long as we're giving them a stimulus greater than whatever their current ability is, they're, they're getting better. They're moving towards something. And that's where we need to keep aligned with their goals. We got off topic of business there, but yeah. No, no, no. I want to, I, I got a note of diving into the, your sports specific training that, uh, that you've been posting about in the, in the weight room. They're funny. I want to dive into there, but first I want to, I want to maybe tie it back a little bit to that social media piece. Uh, and you talked about how you want to gamify, you talked about gamifying that client that you didn't want to come in. And I think uh, social media, I think that's a big piece because it's one of the big things I get commented on, especially new strength coaches. Like, how should I start? How should I start posting stuff? Or like, how, how did you figure this all out? Or how do you deal with people that are going to judge you? And it's like, to me, to me, it's a huge game. Like, it is a huge game to me. Like, I, it, it's, I think it's the same competitive mindset, but it's, it's like, if you turn that into a game, and you it's like, okay, it's like, this is a game. There's rules to this game. Not really. Like there's a lot of loose rules, but like there's a boundary to this game. All right. What works, what allows you to win, what doesn't allow you to win. And you understand that it is a game and you understand like everybody else that is doing this is also playing the game and you don't take that personally. Like that I, I look at it as like, um, like nobody knows who I am through social media, you know, like, no, like, no. like nobody, nobody like that. I've, I've, my, my current girlfriend, like right now, like she talked about like, Oh, I thought you were just big meathead through social media. It's like, like, they don't, they don't know you through social media. Like you're just, you're just playing a game. You're doing that. And obviously you want to be authentic in that game. And I, I feel like I try to do a really nice job, but really, uh, I try really hard to be authentic through that game, but it is a game. Like if people are going to judge you they're and a lot of times they're playing their own game too. And like reading and the understanding the different rules, like they could read something. You could post it one way. Like you could post good drill and like be like legit, this is a good drill. Or you could post good drill and be like sarcastically, like that's a good drill. But like people don't understand, like they're not understanding the nuance. They don't understand what you're saying either. So you're playing your own game while other people are playing their game and you're, you're trying to mash these two things. And that's where I feel like you really can't, you really can't take social media too hard. Like it, like you can't be taking that personally. You have to understand to me that, it is a game, just like a football game. Like if you drop a pass, you are not a bad human being, you know, like you're going to post wrong things on social media, write things on social media. Things are going to hit on social media. Things aren't going to hit on social media, but you have to understand it is a game. Yeah. And that's, you have to do it. And it, the same, you know, with building a in-gym business. I mean, I went from being an unemployed heroin addict that got fired from delivering pizzas. And nine years later, we have a consistent wait list to train with us. Now, that's me leaving money on the table, right? And I'm willing to do that to keep my culture. I have a system that works, right? And I know that. Right now, I'm at the infancy stages of the social media thing. What you were talking about, people don't know you through social media. I know who I am in a gym. When I run a camp with 50 kids in there, I can captivate a gym. I can talk. I demand eye contact. I demand heads nodding. I have this like this almost persona that I can put on in a gym that captivates and, and reaches and inspires. And I know I haven't even begun scratching the surface 
on social media with that type of thing, where people don't really know who I am. I, I'm so passionate. And you're talking about like, how'd you do this? I came from hell. You know, I, I've experienced true pain. I've experienced true struggle. And now I get to live on the opposite side of that. So when you're asking like all the business stuff, it can be learned. Go join a master, go read business books, go read. There's uh, DM me. There's a hundred I could recommend you. And I've skimmed most of them. I don't read a lot cover to cover, but I, I look for things and I surround myself with successful business people. And that's what I do. And I'm willing to do all this stuff because I know who I am today. And I had to go through hell to get here. So now with social media, I don't care how many idiots call me an idiot, call me a moron. I don't care. It, not that I don't want to say I don't care because it does affect me. There's no way it couldn't affect you. Right. When people call you an idiot, like I don't like being called an idiot. Who likes being called an idiot? So I wake up in the morning, every morning, pretty much full of piss and vinegar, right? I wake up, I'm ready to conquer the world. That's, I get a good, I get, try to get eight hours of sleep every night. I wake up, I make my cold brew, right? And I get going by like 6, 7 PM. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> These posts aren't doing as well as I want them to do. This post, I thought this post was going to crush and it got, you know, nothing. I'm not getting any followers. I'm not getting clicks to my sales page. Oh my God. It's not going to work. Right. I don't share that stuff. You don't know that. You don't see what I'm doing behind the scenes. You don't see how much work and effort and misery I'm going through daily. How many pep talks I need from people. How many of my like closest friends I got to open up with and like spill. Yo, I'm not feeling good today. Yo, I had a panic attack last week. Yo, I, I'm not, I didn't sleep last night. I, I had COVID for like over two weeks. And then I got back first day in the gym. I threw up four times in my gym. Had to go home with a fever. Like I missed, I blinked, Right this summer and it's gone. It's already August and I haven't been in my gym, right? These are all things that like you don't see. So if you're out there and you're looking at my account, your account or any quote unquote successful people that are crushing it on social media, you don't know that it's not true. Yeah, man, that, that, that's, I, w I really want to dive into, I want to, I, I do want to get to the sports specific stuff and have like all the physical stuff, but I want to keep you a little bit into that now dive into we, we you and I go back and forth a lot about kind of like drug use in sports and with college athletes and with, and just with like our kind of population of like that 16 to like 24 year old type person uh, and mental health in that in in that group of of athletes, because with like what most people don't see, it's like they see this well put together athlete they, they, they like that everybody's looking to especially in the basketball world and in the football world it's like you have these giant humans like even if they were terrible leaders like and i've noticed this specifically like even even when i was a terrible leader people would look to me because i was a bigger human being you know like they just look at you just naturally like just physically they're looking at you and then you start you do that for 18 years of your life people are going to start to look at you you're going to start to develop that leadership qualities you're like people are following you people think you have it put together and really it's like all you have put together is your physical aspect like that. That's all you have put together, but that's all people can see on the outside. And especially if you're not talking about them, especially. And I, I really think this is in the, like the male sector too. I know females have it too, but I think it's a little bit more open in the female sector, but the male sector of like not talking about it, like not talking about their mental health, not talking about these things, trying to, and that's where something like I try, I try to be passionate about is like one, share my own, share my own issues with this stuff. Like, I think that's really powerful to get kids to open up about is it. like, okay, the, the, this guy that's done all these things in sports and like now is opening his business is opening up about it. Maybe I can open up about it. I think that's important. Um, but trying to get kids to talk about it, trying to get kids and how do you create this environment in which kids are able to talk about it? They're comfortable to talk about it. They're not struggling with it. Um, and we're giving them tools and directions and um, stories and, and hope and light. And I think that's something that's super powerful is just like, I, 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 there's so many kids that come in that's just like, 
the light's not there. Like they like all they need, all they need is a match. Like they just need a match to start their fire to get them out of where they're at. And a lot of times, like that that match isn't provided to them because either they nobody knows they're that far into darkness, nobody knows they're that they're that far off the road, or they're just unwilling to kind of like share that match. So I'd like to dive into that a little bit with you and, and take that any direction you want to take that. I'm gonna put you on the spot is what I'm gonna do, and I'm gonna show you exactly what I do with my athletes on day one. First, I lead with vulnerability. All right, so every everybody I train knows that I struggle. I think there's a huge thing out there where you're supposed to show up and like the whole thing where athlete, it's supposed to be the best hour of their day. So you got to go in there no matter what's going on. You got to put a smile on, rah, rah. I think that's bull crap. I'm a human and I struggle. My athletes know I struggle when I show up and I'm tired and I didn't sleep the night before and I'm getting blasted on social media. Guess what? Hey, Bob, how you doing? Uh, I'm getting called an idiot on social media by 9,000 people. But other than that, you know, I'm all right. They, I don't hide that I'm trying to make money on social media. I don't hide that I'm selling an online program. My gym is my family. They help me with content. Like it's, we have this family and I don't think anywhere else, maybe you do that. I don't think many people have that. It's like a separate thing. My kids know what's going on in my life. They know my wife's pregnant. They know, and I lead with, they all know I was a heroin addict, right? So, and then I talk to them differently, but I play this game and I want, I, the, the mastermind group I was in is called, uh, uh, it was five, six, seven Academy. Okay. And Paul Reddick, he was, his nickname is the wolf. He was on, I heard him on DeFranco's podcast. This had to be six years ago. All right. Yeah. I don't know if you remember this, but Paul Reddick was on this podcast and he, and he always gives his cell phone out. I was like, this guy just dropped his cell phone number on a big podcast like DeFranco's. And I called him and he freaking answered. <laughs> he answered, right. I'm listening to a podcast. He puts it down. I'm like, I want to call him. That's, this is the stuff I do that separates me, by the way. Like that, like, I don't know how many people called him. It wasn't a lot. Right. I do. I do that. So call his number. Hey, it's Paul. How can I help you? I'm like, what? You answered. I was like, I heard uh, you got this mastermind group. I want to, I want to join. How do I do it? And he was talking about like a cabin in the woods. They do these retreats and stuff. And I was like, how do I get in a cabin in the woods with you guys? He's like, well, you got to come to the mastermind. Just pump your brakes, Bob. Pump, pump your brakes. And, uh, you know, the week later I, I, I was at the, you know, the whatever mastermind thing. And then I joined it for two years. That's what I was talking about before. Paul Reddick, the wolf. And, uh, he, he was talking about serving the person in front of you and, and, and focusing on that and finding what's truly important to people. If you can find what's truly important to people, right? You have the keys to their ignition. So I'm going to do it with you. Are you the type of person? You ready? Mm -hmm. All right. Key to winning this game is speed. All right. Speed. Okay. Speed. All right. Are you the type of person that likes to play games or win games? Uh, win games. All right. You're the type of person that likes to win games. Win. So the key to winning this game is speed. So first thing, I just want you to give me a hard goal, something you're after right now that we can measure. You're either going to get there or you're not. Um, let's say six figures. Six figures, 100 Gs. So I'm sitting here on this uh, podcast in the dungeon with you, all right? You just told me your main goal right now, something that you're going to be able to measure, you're going to get to or not, is making six figures, all right? What's important to you about six figures? The freedom it provides. What's important to you about freedom? The ability to do what I want when I want with the people that I love. That was, two, that was more than two words. One to two word answers, man. What's important to you about doing what you love? The, the impact. Impact. Yeah. What's important to you about being a person, a man who creates impact that has impact? What's important to you about that? Changing people's lives around me. Yeah. What's important to you about changing lives? Providing light. Providing light. What's important about providing light? That's sick. You got this. What is it? Go there. What is this? What's, what's important about providing light, bro? Probably love that it brings. Love. 
Okay. So this is called a five, six, seven. I'm going to draw a line. The top one, it was a hundred thousand dollars. From there, you went to freedom, doing what you love, impact, changing lives, providing light and love. So your five, six, seven would be changing lives, providing light and love. That's who you are. That's your DNA. At the top, we have a surface level thing, $100,000. What I talked to you about before was focus and how easy, how hard it is to maintain focus when your goal is a surface level thing like 100000 because you're chasing money, you're chasing this bigger gym, more of this, and you lose touch with soul. So at the top, number one is surface. As I ask you what's important about that goal, I ask you the same question six times. We get to lead from, we get from surface down to soul right? It gets more important, more important, more important, right? Now you're a high school kid. You come into my gym and you're five, six, seven is changing lives, providing light and love. And you had a horrible day. Your girlfriend broke up with you. I know that's real important to you, Austin, right? She broke up with you, broke your heart. And now you come in my gym. You don't want to work out. You feel miserable. And I say, Austin, give me a workout today. All right. G give me some, give me some work today. That's going to help you change lives. That's going to create a man that provides light that's going to lead to, you know, everlasting love. Let's go there. Let's, let's lead to that. What's that going to do to you? Uh, motivate me. Let's go. Right. Yeah. Let's go. Right. And that's the key is, is learning. Everybody's, the, you know, the people I align, you, your five, six, seven is very similar to mine, right? I go there and you went to something deep. You got out of the surface on your number two question. What's important about making hundred, you know, it's freedom. Most people don't know that, you know, most people would be bigger house nicer car, whatever, right? Hotter wife, right? Something like that. They're like, or if it's a kid, right? I want to score 20 points a game. Why? Um, so more people see me uh, so I can make the all-star team so I can da, 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 da. And, and, and they lose touch with who they are. So I play this game with high school athletes. And you know, the craziest thing, the biggest correlation I see with high performers has more to do with the answers on this than anything to do with their physical ability and skill set. I've had multiple guys that want to be Gatorade All-Americans, first round draft picks, guys in the NBA, kids now. These are 15, 16-year-old kids, and I, I tend to lose them when they go off and do all that stuff, but, I, but I'm drawn to them at that age. And when these guys, these, these young men that want to be Gatorade All-Americans come into my gym, what's your goal? I want to be a Gatorade All-American. What's important to you about that goal? I want to buy my mom a house someday. I want to support my family. Their motivation is right on the surface. They come from areas maybe where they have less right? Whatever. But the thing that's motivating them, right, is right on the surface. They, they live in an environment, they wake up in an environment where every day, maybe they're in the hood, maybe they're wherever, that they know why they're putting in the work. There's no question. They have that focus. They can cut out all the BS because their goal is not just about being a Gator at All-American. Their goal is about supporting their family you know, buying their mom a house. And when I ask some kid from the suburbs that has everything handed to him and has a therapist and he's on Medicaid, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Right. They're not in touch with who they are. They're not in touch with their DNA. They're, they're lost in the sauce. They're lost in the surface. And, and I, every single kid that I have that wants a division one scholarship or play professional basketball or be a Gator at all American. What's important to you that it's always by my mom a house or something along those lines. That's more important than anything I can do for them. And once I find that out, right. And I do this with pretty much every single athlete I train, the rest is easy. Yeah, I was going to say, once you have that motivational factor, we talk about like in, we talk about intense a lot and how that's like the number one important thing in like our training. And you talk about, there's a lot like, and I do it myself as you talk about an intent, like how do you create intent in a session? It's like, that's real intent. Like, I mean, that, that, that's real. Well, intent. I do this on day one. Mm -hmm. This is day one. 
I, I did it with a kid last week. He's like, I was like, what'd you think of that? He's like, I've never had anybody talk to me like that. He's driving an hour to train with me. Do you know how many trainers he drives by? Do you know how many other gyms he drives by to train with me? Now, is he coming for a good drill? Yeah, kind of. Not really, though. He could go get good drills other places. The good drills aren't that important. Is he coming to me? No, he's coming to me because of that. Because I really, he, they know I really care about them. And it's not BS. Like, I really do. But operating this way is slow. It's not, like, it's not quick. Because it's not, I, the thought of having a thousand kids in my gym terrifies me. I don't want that. I'd rather create more impact than have, you know, I'd rather create a huge amount of impact on one person than a little bit of impact on a thousand. And, and it, it's getting kids that you talked about this, like creating that environment and atmosphere, because I see this too. It's like getting kids that are one ready for that type of commitment, that type of level of, of communication, like that, that level of communication. I know there's kids out there that are just not ready for that. Like they, they are looking at the surface level. They, they want that footwork drill that like that. And that, that's where you, I think that's because we do this a lot. We have to do a lot of meditation. We do a lot of uh, woo woo. We talk, like we talk about this stuff. We, we do the same thing. Why are we doing that? Like, wh what are we interested in? Um, like why a lot of it, a lot of it for me is like, just why, like, like, why are you so angry about losing that game? What does that mean to you? Like, why, why is that drawing that emotion? Like, are you embarrassed? Okay. Like, why are you embarrassed about that? What does that mean? What's it? Are you putting your self-worth in the silly game and getting them to understand like they don't need to do that and do that. But there's, there's a lot of kids that just, they're not ready for either. They're not ready for that level of communication. They don't, they don't want it at that moment. But to me, it's like, you, you can try, but a lot of times it's like, you're not, you're not going to, you're not going to force that on a kid. You're not so going to force it. Doing that, what I did with you, I've done this thousands of times. It's not easy. So that's where that me being able to talk to people, talk to high school athletes is a skill. And I, I think it's an underrated skill, the soft stuff. Nobody really talks about it in our industry. You know, every, people are more drawn to how can I get people to jump higher, run faster? Then how do you actually communicate your drills? How do you communicate your exercises? And I think that communication is the most underrated skill out there when it comes to coaching right and that's why those kids that you're saying might not be ready for this they're all ready for this they all want this it's what you, you need to you need to pull the right cords you need to say the right things and i need to guide them through that process of discovering who they are and i can do that because i've been through the process i've been completely broken by the world i've been you know completely broken and so i needed this talk when i was their age and some kids, they'll pull back. They won't be able to get to any deep. And I don't pressure them. It's not like, oh, you're not willing to open up, get the hell out. No, it's not, all right. We're not doing this thing. You're not there yet, man. It's all right. We didn't get there. That's okay. But th so then it goes to, you know, how was your day today? Good. Oh, what'd you do? Uh, nothing. No, you had to do something. Would you sat around all day? You know, it's just like those type of questions start. And sometimes it, it, it's so crazy. Some kids come in confident, open up on the first day, tell me exactly who they are, what their fears are. Da, da, da. Like that's rare. That's that's one percent. Some kids, it takes two years and then they'll come in after working with me for two years, never saying a word, being real reserved. And then one day they'll walk in with a smile on their face and be like, what's up, Bobby? I'm like, what? Who are you? You've never done that before. It's like it took two years. Right. But that's a skill, knowing where to push, where to pull you know, bringing them slate. It's always about bringing kids to the edge of their ability, whether it's mental ability, whether it's emotional, whether it's um, strength, right? Progress takes place at the edge of our ability. My, my main thing, my main focus that I work on is bringing players to that edge in any capacity, right? To get stronger, 
we got to get close to failure. We got to get to the edge of our ability to get faster. We have to move fast at the edge of our ability to work on my game, to work on my handle. I need to train at a level higher than the test. So I look at the competition of sport as the test. Why am I going to train under the level of the test? Most of these kids are putting 80, 90% of their training. And, and it's like, it's nothing near what the actual competition is. It's nothing near what the actual test is. I need, I want to throw, I want to be 10% greater, 4% greater than the test. I want, I want to put them in situation. I want them doing 360s off things and, you know, getting punched in the face and falling down. And then sometimes I'll just put on a show and yell at them and call them an idiot and, and freaking, you know, jump on them and, you know, tackle them and throw them in a the garbage can is all stuff I've done. I've had kids try to do it. And, and, and we get done and I hug them and we laugh and that's my little brother. And yo, I did this. I put on a show today for you, man, because I wanted to give you a learning experience because you said you want to play division one basketball. And I know the coach that you're going to go play with and he's going to rip you apart. I, I love doing it. Yeah. Sorry. Well, uh, you, you brought up, uh, I just, just thought of this today. Um, you, you brought up how it takes some athletes like two years. We literally just literally this morning, I, I had an athlete level. Well, it, it happened last night, but I was talking to her best friend this morning and I was like, it, it was her first time opening up in, in, I think it was a year and a half. She's been training with us. It was like, yeah. she, she's been there. She's like, talk, she's, she's an extroverted person. It was like talking and like doing stuff, but not like, you know, when a person truly opens up is too, truly comfortable. And yesterday people were just, we were chatting after the session um, and just started opening up, just started talking about her life, just started talking about things. And I was like, Oh my goodness, this is her. Like, this is her finally like yeah. year and a half in it's like, this is her, this is who she is. And she came in today and the same, like now, now there's no turning back from unlocking who she is and like opening that up to everybody, which I think is, I mean, man, like we talk about jumping higher and doing all these things like that is the coolest thing to me. Like when, when you see that, you see that switch, it's like, that is what we're going for. That person opened up, that person is now comfortable in who they are and like exposing that to the world and like being in this community and fully being in this community. I think that stuff is so cool. And I don't think that's necessary to get kids to jump higher. But for them to actually be comfortable in their sport, it is 100% necessary. Like, I, I can get a kid to jump higher and, and build zero relationship and not find out who they are and not work on them being comfortable themselves. And they, their bench press goes up, their squat goes up, their 10-yard whatever goes up, this goes up, all that stuff goes up. But then they stay the same person in their sport. If I, if I can work on that person's confidence, if I can work on that person understanding that they're weird and unique and it's okay to be weird and unique, right? That's what the great, these kids that are, that are great performers, elite basketball players, elite anything, they are who they are. They believe they're the best when they step on the court and that never changes. When they step on the playing field, they believe they're the faith and it, it's unwavering. They created an identity that I'm good. I am good at this. And that doesn't change. I'm using basketball because I train basketball players. Shooter, shoot. Right? Once you identify yourself as a shooter, what do you do? You shoot. You miss. What do you do? You shoot again. You don't need to get emotional because you missed. It doesn't mean you're a bad shooter because you missed. You're still a shooter. You still shoot. But the people that can't shoot, they've never said I'm a shooter. They've never stepped into that role of being a confident shooter. They don't believe it. They're questioning whether that ball is going to go in when they release their hand. So again, we could talk about form and all this stuff, but you ask Steph Curry if he's going to make the shot. I don't care if he's in another state. That ball's going in. He has zero doubt. His eyes bug out of his head. That ball is fine in the bottom of the net. I don't care what's going on because he's a shooter and he has that identity. He's Steph Curry. He's always Steph Curry. He goes 0 for 19. He is still Steph Curry. It doesn't change. The kids that never make it, the kids that are mediocre, some days they look like Steph. Some days they look like somebody you never heard of. That's the difference.
Yes, this this stuff gets me fired up because it, now it's like, okay, what's our job as coaches? To me, it's creating an environment that allows them to create that ad- identity, you know, like creating challenges, like create create things that allow them to create or I don't even know if it's creating the identity more so of like just grabbing onto that identity. I don't know. I haven't, I guess I haven't really thought about this. Maybe it's everybody has that identity or maybe you do have to create it, but either way they're grabbing onto and embracing that identity because you allow them to. One of the big things I see in American football is like, the, the the best guys have always scored and so now like and maybe like shoot or shoot like score or score in football like they, they they do that like and they have that confidence and you put them in every situation like they're scores and it's like okay let's 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 allow somebody that hasn't scored before to score and it, it that's where i really start to realize it's like okay a lot of times like we'll do like we'll make them two point like we'll make them more two points instead of one point like we'll make one person one point or it will only allow one person to score one time per per rally. So like once they score, they can't score anymore. So they have to feed the other person to get them to score, to continue to score points for their team. Um, and once you get that person to score a couple of times and you see the confidence, you start to understand how like the physical aspect does play. But like, I think specifically in like our populations, like the college population, the physical is a lot more similar than you think. Once you see their confidence of like, okay, this person started to score and now they're keeping up with a person that was so far ahead of them before, because this person already had the identity of a confident offensive scorer. And now this person didn't, but they're physically pretty similar. And now they get that confidence and now they're competing with each other and they're very similar and they're doing it. Like, I think that is the coolest thing. Cause that's where you really start to see that growth. Like you said, it's like, you can get the vert up, but is that confidence up? Like when they step on the court, so it's not going to change who they actually are on the field or on the court or on the pitch, whatever it is. Now you're actually changing that. You're changing that identity for them. Yeah, and uh, my own personal experience, I would go into every college season. I was taking off near the freaking foul line, dunking a ball, 360 windmills. Three weeks into the season, I, it hurt to get out of bed. It, now, that I was also, you know, coupling, working out like a maniac with partying and not sleeping and all these things and stress and whatever. But I, it, it was when I was free during the summer to, to work out and do what I want, playing some summer leagues, whatever, I thrived when I got put into a college system with rules and personalities and all this stuff. I could never adapt in a way that I could, I could keep that identity because I lost something that was really valuable in my game. I would lose my athleticism to pain, to stress, to, to questioning myself, you know, and, and I, I never learned to really, I didn't learn until I got out of college to, to like actually. And again, I like your question. Is it like, do we have that identity? Are we creating an identity? And that, that's some deep stuff, but that's, I had one instance when I was playing in a, a, a Nike sponsored league in New York city, uh, West fourth street. It was my first time ever playing there. You know, I'm a, the only white dude on the court and I go out there and I get checked into the freaking cage and I, I got in a guy's face. I said, you ever do that again? I'm putting you on the ground. Don't I'm de- that, that's not happening today. And I, I was, I was fearful doing it, but I got in his face and I said, you do that again. It's over. I'm, I'm fighting. I said some other words, but I got a, I got right in his freaking face. He looked at me and he smiled and he dapped me up. He said, you got my respect, brother. I was like, wow. And that was like, right. And it was like, wait, I belong here. Right. That was what I needed to do. Not just like turtle, not just become a stress ball, but like stand up for myself. Be like, no, you're not throwing me in the cage today, guy. You know, that's not happening. And then from there, it was like, I started getting professional tryouts, playing. I was making all-star team. It was like that. It was awesome. 
And it was like that kind of one instance. And now my training changed at that age. A lot of things changed. I got sober at that age. It was like a lot of kind of like this perfect formula of things changing, being thrown into adversity, thrown into this, getting rid of the, the toxins out of my body, you know, really working on myself, finding myself, all this kind of stuff came together in that moment. And it was like, wait, I can do this. I can hoop, you know, <laughs> I always had the athleticism. I always had the skill. I just was a mental defective. You know, I was just like, I was just, something was wrong in here. I was worried. Yeah, man. I had a very similar story in college. It was like my freshman year at college. I was a seven string fullback. It was just trash. Like physically could keep up with everybody like sprints, like everything. But I got on the field, man. I was a shell of myself. Right. Um, and I got, um, I got invited. One of my defense linemen after the season invited me to go throw with, um, with the, like the track team. And I threw with the track team and uh, made conference the first year. And although it was two different sports, to me, it was the realization like, oh, you can compete at the college level. Like that's all it was. It was just switch of like, you can compete at the college level. And next year I was starting in football. Like it, it was a totally different sport. Like it wasn't even the same sport. Like to yeah. say like the physical aspects there, like there's like, there's a totally different sport. It was just the physical or the mental click of, oh, you can compete here. Like you belong here. You are not a no, like you don't have to be a nobody if you choose not to be. And making that switch over was huge for me. That's what I have in my gym. That's what I, I want to create these experiences in my gym. I don't want it to be a gym. I don't want it to be training. I want to some, and it's hard to do because you don't have all the stressors of fans and reps and all this kind of stuff that you're going to have. But I want to get as close as I can to putting these kids through those situations that are going to make and break them. And I want to be them for their, I, I need to be there for them if it does break them. Because sometimes it does. Sometimes they shell up and that's normal. They're young developing humans right? They are going to shell up. They are going to cave. I get tears in my gym at my camp. I don't know how many kids cry because I put them in young kids, especially like, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. You ever mess with like nine, 10, 11, 12 year old boys. They cry all the time if they get in an uncomfortable situation. Right. And then it's like, well, do I got to put an arm around them or you got to work this out. They cry all the time. And I'm not even hard on them. I just put them in a game. It's just boys being boys playing three on three. One kid always ends up crying, but he needs that experience to develop. He needs that experience to say, wait, you know, and I could tell him, yo, why are you crying, man? It's just basketball. It's all right. You're okay. You know, it's all right. you know, and that's where now the skill of like soft skill approach. Now, does this kid need a hug? Does he need to be built up or does he need to be left alone and figure this out himself? And that's the art of coaching. And I think so much of the art, people say the art of coaching comes to the like technical tactical. I think the art is in how we deliver, right? How do we deliver these drills? What is the execution? What is the, the, the focus that we have in this? What do what, what are we doing? Like, that's the art. How do we get these kids ready for what they're really going to see? The art of coaching isn't building a squat or bench press. It's not. It's easy. Go squat and bench press a lot. You'll get better at it. I promise. I don't even care about your form. You'll figure it out. You want to get good at benching? Go bench every day. Five days a week, easy strength. You'll get, you'll build your bench, man. You're still going to suck at basketball, but you'll have a hell of a bench. Well, they've been the same thing. If you want to build your mental, like you should go attack the mental every single day and you'll get good at the mental. And that's a big thing too. It's like you talk about the, like putting them in games, nine to 10 years old. Like we played, we played capture the flag today with our college group. And we had like probably three people close to tears, like just emotions. Yeah. I mean, they were playing physical, they were getting after it, like, and they're yelling at each other. And at the end, it's like, it, I mean, it's the same thing. Like you put them in those stressful situations. And well, I, I mean, a big thing for me is like having them understand, like it's a game. Like, I think that's super like, understand it's a game be able to take that step out like detach from it and then like have not have your self-worth because that's where it's like big it's like if we're crying over capture the flag our self-worth is way too much tied into wins and losses 100 percent. but and uh, but i don't think that's always negative like a negative thing like 
I think it can be a really good motivational factor, but I think understanding that is huge for a lot of athletes. I don't think that's a big like, conversation piece I've had with a lot of athletes. Like they don't even understand it. They don't understand why they have that emotion in the game. They don't, they don't understand what they're feeling. They, 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 they they're just mad. They, they just see red, like uh, somebody pushed them and they think like they're actually mad at that person. It's like, is, is that's what is that's what's happening. But like, we're playing capture to flag and we have these invite, like in that system. Now you elevate that to a stress level of your parents are there, you know, or it's a game that you're supposed to be good at. It's a game you're supposed to be a leader at and like opening up those conversations and just exposing them to different stress levels and, and, and in different environments in which the, that mental is stressed. And that's a big thing. Like I try to program mental, like mental stress, you know, like the physical stress. Yes. Like you said, like we can do that, but like mental stress, like what's our mental stressor of the day? Like, are we building the mental every single day and not in like a grind rah, rah way? Like, although maybe some kids need that some days, but it's like, like, how can we stress them in this? Like, okay, you broke here. Okay. This is you, you shelled up here. Um, we weren't able to push past this when you know, you're able to put like, what's going on? Like, why is that happening? Uh, and we're stressing that mental in a bunch of different ways and trying to build out the environment for them to be able yeah. to build that mental. And yeah. Not every day can be back slaps and let's go, yeah. you know, and, ah, ah, right. That that's not every day, but sometimes we do that just, just cause right. Why not? But some days it's calm. Some days we're, you know, oh, let's get to your little sore. Oh, take it easy today. It's all right. Let's play horse. You know, let's do something. You know, we need that side of things too. Um, yeah. What else? Well, I, I think stre- like the stress mental too is like, I, I'm big into ebbs and flows too is like, are they able to be calm? Like, can you play horse and be calm? Like a big thing for me is like, uh, when, we, when we meditate, just watching a kid meditate, like I, th- I think that's big. Not that every kid is going to be um, like, not that you're good or bad at meditate, but can you sit still, you know, like, can you be in your own body for 10 minutes or five minutes or whatever it is without fidgeting, without moving all over the place, without doing these things. It's like, uh, like there's a, a lot of times I can see a kid get really, really high. They're able to like get ebb really, really high, but they can't come back to that little bit of flow and like going back and forth between those two and building out environments in which they understand I, I think understanding and feeling those two um, feelings, not that you need to master the two, but like feel where you're at currently. The ego thing is huge. I'll have a kid dunk the ball flex. I'm the best. Ah, right. Get that dunk. And I'm like, he's one mistake away from being freaking just deflated. You know, you see that over, Oh, look at me. I oh, look at me. I'm the best. Right. I'm like, Oh, watch this. In two minutes, he's going to be crying. Right. And I, that's, and that's from years of me playing, training, being around these kind of elite things around I've been around pros I've been around killers I've been around all this type of stuff and it's like I I know what to look for when I'm when I'm playing defense when I'm in the game because I've been there I know what to look for reading people it's ridiculous most high school players I'll play them one-on-one I'll step back 10 feet from them because I can't shoot and when when I show I have no respect for them whatsoever what do they do they lose respect most of them most of them like, I, I don't know, 89% of high school players, I'll take 10 step back, shoot the ball, and he'll miss. Because I just, I, I show no respect. You don't have my respect. I'm not giving you any respect. You're not a shooter. And I'll say, you can't shoot. That's not your game. And then they'll shoot and they'll miss, and I'll get the ball. And until they start hitting that shot. And that, what is that? That's a confidence-building opportunity. But I, that's me. I'm, I'm not guarding you. You can't shoot, man. What do you mean I can't shoot? I can shoot what? And then they miss. Now I got them thinking. Now I got them questioning themselves. Now they're doubting who they are. They lost that identity. I take 10 steps back, I'll step crazy. Like, you're an idiot. You did it. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? Right? There would be no self-doubt. Self, there is, they, they, like, not that they don't experience it. They definitely, have, like, there's no way you can just kill it. But it's, again, coming back to that identity where it's, it's like, unwavering. It's, like, it's soul level, like, iron. You talk about building armor, right? 
from a physical standpoint? What about building armor from like a soul standpoint where you're like, these kids are like legit, not just battle tested, run 17s and gassers and this, that's not armor, right? That, I mean, armor is like here, it's mental, it's emotional. It's you, you, you think, you know, LeBron before a game, he's got his chalk up in the air and it's a little chest out puff, right? Getting himself ready for competition. But what can it, when it comes down to game time, when it comes down to tie game and overtime or, you know, four seconds left on the clock, he's calm. He's an assassin. He's a Navy SEAL. He, Kobe, right? Mamba Mintel, like all Jordan. You give me four seconds left on the clock. It's no more chest puffed out. It's no more look at me. I'm the greatest. It's I'm going to take this ball and I'm going to score. And it's, it's more of an assassin mentality than like a barbarian thing. And if someone can figure out how to really teach that, I don't, I don't know if you can, cause like, that's like nature nurture is that born in you can bring it out. I, I'm going to try as hard as I can to figure it like, that's what I'm after. I, I could I go down a rabbit hole of getting force plates and, and biomechanics and, and studying all this stuff. And I, I have, and I can, and I probably still will at some point because I, I find it interesting, but like the things we're talking about now are so much more important and we've both been on Joel's podcast a couple of times or whatever. And he's like, these episodes don't do that well. I'm like, well, we need to keep talking about it because they should. Right. He's like, he's like, whenever we talk linear speed or strength, I get all these views and we talk about this type of stuff. It doesn't do as well. I was like, well, that means we need to keep talking about it. That we need to keep talking about this. We need people to understand. And it's like me and you could do, I, you, you like front squats. I like back squats. Oh, now I hate you. What? <laughs> like what? who cares squat dude it's fine well it, i think a lot of it's it, i mean it's, tr it's trying to put a simple fix on a very complex problem you know like i mean it's it's like i mean we keep going back to it but it's simple you you can get people strong it's simple to argue about a front squat versus back squat it's simple to argue about like one of our best like and i, lo I love the the pitching guy but one of our best one was like the rebounds and it's like people think that it, it's simple to add rebounds into like um drop catch type um type movements into your training. So that podcast is phenomenal because it's really easy and it's quick hitting and people can grab onto it when they do it. It's like, what are, what are they like? You're going to fix your mental. Oh shit. Oh shit. Like that, that that's going to take four. you. Okay. You built up your mental, your current, you built up your current identity through 16 years of stories that you've told yourself. You're 16 year old. You're like 16 years of stories you've told yourself. Um, and now I'm challenging you to change that. Maybe that takes another 16 years. No, I hopefully not. I think you can change it in probably three months change a little bit you know like start to change it uh and then maybe it takes a year to like feel that a little bit on the court and but maybe it takes five years to fully adapt man you just like that's the i can either add in rebounds instantly and pretend like that's fixing or i can look at holy shit this is going to take five years to fix and i think that's why it's probably not drawn to enough because it's like it's the real like i think people know it's the real fix like i, I really yeah. don't think there's a lot of people that step on the court and like like, okay, my, my back squatted a bunch. Now I'm going to be like, I don't really think there's anybody that actually accepts that because they see it. Like, I mean, if you can't see that, we, I don't know how, how you do that, but it's like, how, how do you fix the mental? And like, and I think even if they do know how to fix the mental in some regards, because I think we have a lot of answers to that too. It's like, how much work is that going to require? And how much time is that going to require to change your story that you tell yourself every single day, change your environment that is telling you that story, you know, like change your identity when you step onto the court, like all of these things take so long and so much effort that I think people get scared off. But like, we know deep down, that's the answer. It, it's understanding those script we all have scripts and stories, right? You talked about like stories you've been telling yourself for six years, every human on this earth has scripts and stories and rules that they've defined themselves by. 
And it's it's really analyzing those and backing those scripts and stories up with real evidence. Is this true? Is this belief true? If it's not, every time I have this belief, I need to bash it. I need to kill this belief because it's not serving me anymore, right? I have this belief that if I let this person down, I'm not going to be happy. Or if, if I don't do this for the, if I don't make this person happy, I'm that, that I lived like that for a long time, trying to please other people and that I needed to, and that I attached myself worth to pleasing other people. And now it's, uh, you start asking me a bunch of questions about my training and it's like, not for nothing. Like just, I, I, this might not be a good fit. If you're questioning everything, just come, you know, just jump in, man. And that's me today. My wife, I hear her all the time on the phone. She handles the whole business, right? This might not be a good fit. <laughs> like, yes. I, it, not that I've proven everything, but I've kind of like come experience what we have going on. You want me to explain my, just go do the thing. Go like, if you've trained with me three years ago, I'm a different person than I was three years ago. And three years from now, I'm going to be a different person than I am right now. But I, I believe my principles right now are something I can live by because I constantly challenge myself and, and questioning my thoughts and looking at try to other points of view and, and all this type of stuff where if I believe something, is it true? Is what I believe true? Is this thing that I've adopted? Is this script? Is this story actually true? And if it's not, I need to kill it. Right. And that's you, you, you take on that. And that you said it could take 10 years. It could take one day. You, you kind of just start approaching things different tomorrow, today, start yesterday. You know, you could, I don't know, it happened for me kind of in an instant. And now I have instances all the time where I mess up, I fall short, I start taking on stress and anxiety and the weight of the world's on my shoulders. And then I wake up and, you know, I talk to some people, right? And that's the biggest thing about network, right? Talking to people, just being able to get it out. Sometimes I just need to talk about it. I don't need advice. I just need to get the stuff out of my head to make sense of it and hear some feedback from somebody that I, you know, know, love and trust. And, uh, that that's I mean if, if anybody wants to look at me successful I have a bit of success I think I don't look at myself as very successful but that that's I, I just I fight for that I, I I fight for you know maintaining that integrity and, and being there for people and building a community in which like allows people to become and now I that. I don't even have to be the one delivering this message now I have yep. a culture in my gym where you come in you're gonna be swept up in it or you're gonna be scared and leave yep. And it's good either way. Like it's not, I'm not, and that's, I'm not for everybody. If you don't want to, you know, if you don't want to come in and, and, and do good drills, fine, go, go, go do that. That's okay. My identity, my self-worth is not in whether people are going to like me to come in my gym and stay. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was about eight months ago um, now where I realized like I, I was just watching a session and I was like, I, I, I could leave, I could leave this session. Like I got probably six or seven people in this session right now that could lead and say the message that I want them to say, you know, and do those things. Like, and that, that was super powerful to me. It was like, that is what we want, man. Like, that's how I know I'm attracting the right people and we're doing the right thing. We're building up the right culture. And they're, they're having a conversation. Like we're not, we're not talking about being meathead, you know, like it's just, I mean, sometimes, sometimes they're just boys being boys and like being meathead talking about their squad and bench, but it's like, like the conversations are deeper. Like we're not just there to lift. Like they're, they're talking about things. I'm like, yes, this is it, man. Like, and I just, I get to be a fly on the wall and I get inspired by it every single day. I get smarter by it. You know, like I get to have real conversations that are not just about like, your, your technique of your squat anymore, you know, like it, it's super freeing for me. And I enjoy going to my gym every day. Like I enjoy it. Uh, most of our business is online. Like at, at any moment, really, like if I really didn't want to, we could not do any in-person gym stuff. We could all be online. It's like, 
I enjoy going to the gym. Like I like that point. Like I love going and hanging out with my community. And like you said, like the family of people that we have, like, I love talking to them. I love having these conversations. I love doing what they're doing. And it's the online, I've waited so long to do it because one, I wanted to have something I truly believed in. And I thought it was, you know, kind of different than anything else there and better than anything else out there. And it took me nine years to do that. Right. But I have this gym business that if everything goes wrong on social media or I get banned off TikTok or Instagram and I lose all that, I got this gym that I love. Right. And, it, and I think that what doing it first, being in the trenches, actually building, like working with people hands on, developing real relationships, not through a screen. Right. Was so important for me to have because it, you're going to get you're going to put stuff out there on social media. You're going to get blasted for it. There's no nobody out there does not get blasted for things on social media. It's nice to have my family in my gym where I go there and kids can make fun of me for it. Right. Face to face or whatever it is. And we can laugh about it. And like my whole goal with the online, I, I just don't I don't want to have to rely on people in my gym. I don't want to rely on being in the gym for my living. I always want to be in the gym. I'm a trainer. I'm a coach. I love working with others that will never stop. It's in my DNA. I just don't want to be reliant on that, right, for my life. And the online thing is going to afford me that freedom that I'm after. You know, where if I want to take a month off and go hunting in Wyoming, I can do that and, and disappear in the woods with a flip phone. You know, that's what I want. And I think that 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 point is like it, it make, allows you to be free at the gym too. It's like you're not there for the paycheck anymore. Like, and I think that's big. And I, I communicate that with my athletes too. It's like. Like, I, I don't need your paycheck, you know, like, I, it's, it's not what we're here for, you know, like, it, it's a good source of revenue. It's great. But it's like, we we're able to function with all that. Like, we're a family, like, we're here because we want to be here. Uh, we're not, I'm not going to force you to show up. We're not going to do any of this it allows you to be free. Um, but I, I know you have to go here. Um, do you have you, you talked about um, some new products coming? Do you want do you want to talk about any of that? Or your product that you currently got out online? Anything that you want to drop? I don't really care people? about that. On no, these things. no I, I, that's my whole that's my that's my front end social media stuff. If you follow me, I have links to it all the time check it out this these days that's i want to i want to just i want to talk to guys like you more i want to have these conversations more i want to reach out to people that i think have similar principles and mindsets in this industry that are just trying to flip everything that doesn't make sense like let's let, let, let's let, let's bring that stuff to the surface the things that are being done every day because they've been being done for 20 years that doesn't make any sense let's start <laughs> Let's start saying that. Why or just questioning things? You question things. I question things. Do I have all the answers? No, I'm never going to have all the answers. But I promise I'm going to keep questioning things that don't make sense to me. I'm not going to dismiss them. I'm not going to hate on them. I might hate on them with you, or like in the DMs. I'm not going to publicly do anything. That's not me, right? But I'm going to question stuff that doesn't make sense. And we need more people doing that because it's become so, you know, business. It's become so this, and it it's not good. <laughs> it's just not good. Yeah, there's no, there's no other field in the world. I mean, you work with people's money. You want to just invest it because it's been done that way for 20 years. Like you're going to lose them a bunch of money, man. Like like we, we keep up with it. We, we keep pushing forward. We keep doing the things that we're supposed to do. We question what doesn't make sense. And we keep moving forward. Yeah. But uh, I don't think we talked about really anything we wanted to talk about. So it sounds like a good podcast. To me. <laughs> <laughs> a perfect impromptu podcast. Well, Coach, thank you yeah. for the time. I know you got to get going here, but this is awesome. Thank you. Yep. Awesome. Well, keep chopping wood. Thank you for listening. Join us next week as we dive down another rabbit hole. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a five-star rating. Follow us on Instagram at Austin Yoakum to stay updated on future podcast guests. Keep chopping wood.